Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. guys, this is the Hollywood Life Podcast, and we are here this week with a very special, and I mean, he is infamous, a, an infamous and very handsome guest, I must say. We have got Chris Lowell from Glow. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's very nice to be referred to as both infamous and <laughs> handsome. You don't get that. You don't get those two compliments. Well, you often. know, you you have played characters that I didn't feel sometimes got their due in oh, that department. Thank you. I mean, maybe in the infamous department, sure. but maybe not in the other department. And so I just wanted to get that right out there. Well, thank you for leading with that. <laughs> and listen, we are really excited because um, we are big fans of Glow. And it is such a good show. It is so funny. If you have not seen it yet. You must catch up with with it on Netflix, the whole of the first season, and the second season is about to drop June 29th, okay? So it is coming up, and um, I bet that it is going to be even better than the first. So let's just dive right in. You play a character called Bash. Yeah, my character's name is Sebastian Bash Howard, and he's essentially... He's this, I would say, complete narcissist who is very detached from reality, sort of a um, poster child for, like, rich, gluttonous consumerism in Los Angeles. And he is the heir of a canned food fortune. (laughs) And he's essentially just a a huge um, wrestling superfan. And so he has the idea of creating a women's wrestling show called Glow, but essentially nobody wants to do it, so he hires this B-movie, softcore porn, burnout director played by Mark Marin, And then Mark puts together this ragtag group of ladies who then become the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. That's right. Glow is the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. And they really are mm. an interest, a really interesting cast of characters. And this all takes place in like the early 80s, 1980s. Yeah, so, so Glow was actually, it's a real thing. Um, there are these, it was a show that was on Saturday mornings, uh, a women's wrestling show on Saturday mornings. That it's such had, an odd time for it's, wrestling. It's crazy, but it's it's so, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, weird, crazy moment because it's sort of this combination of all sorts of crazy 80s fashion and wrestling and what that was and women in the wrestling world which was seen as an entirely male dominated space. Right, it was very new. This That's is all right. new. Like people today, you know, are thinking about the Bellas and, you know, it's like a big thing for women now to That's be right. wrestlers and fighters, but not then. No, it was crazy. Um it was it seemed it was seemed as it was seen as being extremely avant-garde and that there may not be a market for it at all which is why there was no money that was put into it. So as a result, the production value was terrible, which is hysterical. Um, And oftentimes, uh, the humor is very politically incorrect. And I think Liz and Carly, the creators of the show, just saw this 
hysterical, very specific world and uh, really brought it to life in the show, which is what we're making, which is sort of a fictional offshoot of what that must have been like. Right. So it was, there was real ladies wrestling Mm -hmm. in the early 80s. And this is a show, a TV show about creating a show about that. And they hired, the thing is, is that they hired all these actresses and non-actresses who had no experience with wrestling. And it was just to, and put together characters. And that's what's like so fun about how they, you know, start off like having no clue and then they... That's right. The first season of the show really follows these, uh, this group of ladies who, some of which have some wrestling experience, some of which have acting experience, some of which are just showed up here and have no (laughs) idea what they're getting themselves into. And the first season really... um, follows us trying to figure out what this show is, how to make it. Uh, The series ends with us shooting the pilot of GLOW. And season two, in a really fun way, is a lot more about these characters' lives outside of the ring. Um, What Liz and Carly did a great job of is really slowly establishing this enormous ensemble cast. I mean, I think there's 16 of us on the show. That is a lot. There's a lot. It's, It's 14 ladies and then Mark and myself. And um, 15 ladies, actually, in season two. And so having done all this really, really subtle, brilliant groundwork of figuring out who each of these people are, now in season two, we get to really explore those relationships and what is driving them outside of the show. Are you enjoying the 80s vibe of the show? Because I've I've noticed, like, you're also an 80s baby like me, and, and I've noticed as, like... People who are you, your age and my age are like now in charge of making TV shows and stuff like Stranger Things, for example. Like the 80s is back in yeah, a big way. Yeah, the 80s is really back Now that TV. our generation is in charge of everything. Um, and it's been kind of a trip seeing like my childhood, like all over, my early childhood at least. Yeah, it feels like we're kind of in the midst of like a nostalgia festival yes. right now in media, right? Where like a lot of the people who were born in the 80s who are now um, content creators are really dipping back into like what made me feel good in the 90s and late 80s and and sort of reimagining those worlds and breathing new life into them and i think it's i think it's just a really interesting kind of fascinating phase yeah um, and so yeah i mean to me i freaking love the 80s i mean it's, <laughs> i love the music so awesome and the costumes are so out of control and the hair and it, it just feels so all of it feels like turned up to 11 yeah in a way that i think is so hysterical and entertaining and kind of loud. Um, And what's so fun with the show is that there's this world that is all of those things that is so big and loud and over the top and then juxtaposed with a very um, grounded reality outside of the ring, which I think kind of gives the show such a unique flavor. It really well, felt like this. the boomers were in charge of everything for so long. And so everything was the 60s for freaking ever. The music and all the movies <laughs> was yes. the 60s. All of I the, hear some boomer resentment here. All of, the, all of the shows and TV shows, when you, ever you flash back, it's always the 40s, the 50s, the 60s when these boomers were growing up or whatever. And just it's kind of nice that now we're sort of visiting these other decades. I feel like we've been over it with the 60s. And now it's kind of like nice to look back at these other generations and and hear from the creators. Yeah, I mean, to be perfectly fair, I feel like I'm looking back. I currently am dressed like I'm a character from the 1920s. You are. You look like um, you were maybe doing papers. Or maybe the 1850s. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. just for those of you who are listening, um, Chris here is dressed like a lumberjack, and I'm okay with With, that. with like a newsy cat. 
happened. Yes. Oh. You got to remember the Stetson's a, a real he part was, of this. He was so, delivering the New York Times earlier. That's right. That's many. right. I was out Sarah's. So is that, what, is that the look you were going for? Like I, a newsboy, 1920s newsboy? I have, I have newsboy? so derailed from trying to, I mean, I've, I've kind of lost my sense of chasing any sort of trends. It's, it's kind of become its own weird thing. These, I, I was wearing these really comfortable, essentially elaborate, fancy pajama pants. And I actually had the, uh, the costume designer of Glow, Beth Morgan, who's a buddy of mine. She and I worked on The Help together years ago. And I came into set and I begged her to sew in some buttons so that I could wear suspenders with right. them. And now yeah, I'm you're freaking wearing... unstoppable, you guys. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing like a plaid shirt. It is a little chilly here in New York. He's got like a heavy plaid shirt on. And he's wearing, yeah, pants, sort of knicker pants, except they're full length. With, they're high-waisted with suspenders and a newsboy cap. That yes. was for you. But I'm keeping it relevant because underneath this, I think I've got on a Planned Parenthood t-shirt. Oh, so. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's sort of like, yeah, exactly. I can rip this off. It'll be like my Clark Kent becomes <laughs> Superman moment. Well, you know, I did live through the 80s. And um, it's really funny to me, though, to see like all of the there's a lot of outfits that are like a, a Jane Fonda uh, aerobics outfits yes. that the ladies are wearing because they're kind of working out a lot in the ring. Big time. And they're wearing the, for those of you who've seen Flashdance, they're wearing like a lot of the leg warmers and hair bands that are those thick hair bands. It is, the the costumes are reason enough to me to watch the show. There That's is true. Beth Morgan, who's the costume designer, I think is a genius. And she made her life so much harder because she would be the person coming up to the creators of the show being like, listen, I know we've established all the looks for the girls, but maybe in episode 10, we do completely different outfits. And the creators are like, yeah, if you want to do that to yourself, go right <laughs> ahead. Because she has to build them all from scratch. You know what I mean? A lot of the the ladies on the show are all sorts of different yeah, they're all ages different and body types. And, and yeah. you know, I mean, that's a and, – and you're having to move around in spandex. I mean, they had to build all this stuff from the ground up. And it's, it's remarkable a feat. Well, the other thing that's interesting is the – um, the kind of the sexism that, that you see in sure. the 80s. And again, I don't remember, like I was, you know, pretty young in the 80s. I don't remember it being as sexist, but it absolutely, I know it was. And that comes through. And especially like if for actresses and people, women trying to be wrestlers, that the stereotypes that you can't do that, you can't be that, and that you're this type of girl and you're that kind of girl. I mean, it sounds like such a soundbite to say, like, well, it's just as relevant now as it's ever been. It but, is. I, you know, when we were shooting season one, uh, everybody was, you know, kind of skipping to the office, f- getting pumped about having the first female president. And then while we were there, you know, Donald Trump got elected. And suddenly it was this really radical shift in terms of what it felt like being on set every day. Because suddenly it felt like it was a much more, like we still had a long way to go before. Right. You know what I mean? When you had a, when you have a, 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 a and I don't want to get too political, but when you have a commander in chief who's bragging about sexually assaulting people, it, it really makes you wonder if there has been a whole lot of progress. Right. Exactly. And in yeah. season two, it was similar. You know, in season two, halfway through the season was the explosion of all the Me Too and the Time's Up moments and the Harvey Weinstein scandals. And it was a real kind of powerful eye opener. And, and it, it, it's, it's amazing how much things how much hasn't changed i think what's really nice that the the creators of the show do with with glow is i think there's this trap you can fall into of showcasing sexism um 
through the hindsight of a 2018 voice. Um, and I think that if you do that, in other words, when someone uh, becomes confronted with some sort of a harassment issue, there's a, you know, we as a 2018 audience want that person to be able to immediately bark back and see how they feel and win the day. But that's not the the reality of the times in, no. in, the, in, the, in the 80s. And I think it's important to and also, see how much more, you know, constrained people had to be. Right. And also, uh, I mean, these women didn't want to lose this job. That's right. Like, they didn't want. They put up with the um, the the director that the the B. That's right. That's right. Because director and what he said to them. That's exactly right. You know, nowadays, you know, you're hearing about you know Ashley Judd is is suing Harvey Weinstein for defamation for basically uh, shit talking her and and ruining uh, tanking her career, which nowadays seems so repulsive. But 30 years ago, was probably very commonplace. It was just sort of what happened. Like if you don't give the this fellow what he wants. Then he's the he's in a position of power to ruin your career as a result of it, and it's just a, a terrifying. It must have been a terrifying place to be in. I'm sure it's still a terrifying place to be in. It's really encouraging that shows like ours can exist that are run entirely by women and is full of brilliant female talent on camera as well as off. Right. Well, and the female characters are really strong and they're really interesting. And um, you know, I think. Like the idea of their them finding themselves through this whole experience is really it's really fascinating and entertaining to watch yes. too. So, what had you ever been a wrestling fan? Had you like you know I never was. My brother was a diehard wrestling fan, and I was one of those people who would watch wrestling and and just sort of be like, "This is fake, though, right? <laughs> this is insanity." And the truth is, you know, watching the show now, having worked on the show. It is, it is choreographed, but when you see what these people are actually doing, it is staggering, the, the amount of work and physical effort that goes into each one of these moves. And in a way, it's more impressive to me because it's, it is a choreograph. It's, it's, there's, there's, it's, like, it's almost like watching a dance. But, you know, I, I just remember the finale of season one um, is, is all the wrestling matches that have been kind of we've been working on. They, we finally premiere them all. And when we were shooting it, I was there every day, sitting ringside, watching these women do what they had learned and so to do. All and yeah, and all the the real actresses are doing these moves. Yes, these, rest, these yes. choreographed. And everyone you're seeing is moves. actually doing this stuff, and it is. I mean, they're doing freaking flips off the ropes and body slams and throwing themselves out of the ring and and doing aerials and. I mean, I just. I'm supposed to know the names of all these moves, which of course I don't because Wasn't I'm just the sort head of, scissors. Yeah. I mean, yes, head scissors is, is a move. Yeah, um, the people's elbow—that's the only one I know. The people's elbow—that's the Rock's move, his famous move, but he doesn't wrestle anymore. The people elbow. No, I, so, don't, I don't know that one. Really, this was the most Dwayne famous. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, he would drop the people's elbow on people. It was his finishing move. Every wrestler has like a signature. Finishing that's right. Move. That's right. That's right. And the Rock's was the people's elbow. Is there a signature finishing move on for the characters on the show? Um, yeah, there's one. Uh, I'm trying to think of the ones that I remember. Um, uh, Mariana Polka's character is named Vicky the Viking, and her thing, she has a move called the Viking Vag, where she rubs her crotch <laughs> in another woman's face. Oh my face. god, that sounds devastating. Um, there are. That's the only one that stands out because I just remember reading that's it. That's a good being one. Like, wow, that's that is one. that is intense. So <laughs> the they literally had to learn how to do these choreographed wrestling moves and do them. Yeah, yeah. Was there I, I, a lot of terror on the set? 
Well, you know, it's <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> Season one of the show, there was definitely a lot more of a sense of, okay, we're going to do this move twice. We got to get it two times and that's it. And, you know, because I think everybody from the creators to the actors were really nervous about how it was going. And then season two, it's like the wild, wild west. Oh, really? I mean, it's They're just all comfortable. Sort of, yeah, you show up and it's like, all right, you're going to backflip off this thing. You're going to take a spill out of the ropes. You're going to hit the turnbuckle and we're going to do it 47 times. Wow. So it's not even like, they're not even, they're not stunt people. They're just no. regular people who learned, women who learned how to do these yeah. things. Yeah, one of the actresses, uh, Kia Stevens, is an actual wrestler. Um, her name, her wrestling name was Awesome Kong, and her her signature move was called the Awesome Bomb. Um, but beyond Kia, you know, we have this amazing trainer named Chavo who really just taught everybody everything from the ground up. And it, it, it truly, if you thought what they did in season one was impressive, the stuff that they do in season two is just even more mind blowing. How did they not get injured? Because they literally like go bang down on their backs. Well, and I, everything. I would be I would be uh, lying if I said that there weren't some injuries. I think it's inevitable. Like with any sport, you have sprained ankles, you have people taking, you know, falling the wrong way. I mean, you have to be really careful. But I think a big part of it is that um, the when when it comes to shooting those sequences. Nobody's in a rush. Everybody shows up. They stretch. They review. Um, you know, you just have to, you can't rush it. You can't cut corners. Um, having said that, like, I, it's insanity to me. <laughs> I mean, I don't have to do it. I, you know, I don't, I've never gotten, I've gotten, I get to into the ring, you know, to, to hand the crown off to people, you know, but most of the time it's just them. So you never tried any of those moves? No, I don't think they would have let me. I think if I tried the moves, not only would I completely humiliate myself, um, but I think it would be, frankly, uh, uh, embellishing an atmosphere that we probably shouldn't, which is like, it'll be fine. Watch this. And then I break both of my legs, <laughs> inevitably. So you never watched wrestling before. But now when you watch it, like, do you watch it now? No. No. No, oh, okay. no, I, I don't. I, 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 it's more that it, it, not because I it, it's it's more that I'm so captivated by the show and what we're doing on the show and what the girls are doing and, and that I. I almost feel like nothing I would watch would live up to being a part of it like this. Yeah, because I, I would be curious to get your play-by-play, blow-by-blow, like watching a wrestling match now, because you could go, oh, yeah, I can tell you how they do this or that. I don't know that I could tell you how they do this <laughs> or that. I can tell you what those things are. I mean, typically, the most fun thing about shooting those sequences is that Liz and Carly will... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. kind of just let me let me go you know um and i've learned the characters well enough that it doesn't really like i'll just sort of riff um a lot of times and that to me is the most fun that i get to have you know that's the only way that i'm really interacting with with what they're doing well i don't i think your character is like so i mean he may be spoiled but he also did come up with the concept sure yeah and he and he brought a lot of um kind of um like he very smartly handled the director in terms of getting the final 
product to be the right product. Yeah, I think Bash, what what makes him um, a really helpful part of this sort of team is that he's such a purist. He's a pure wrestling super fan. So for him, he's not thinking about how to exploit this or manipulate it or make it sexier. He's just, he believes in it for its own sake. There's no part of Bash that's trying to sleep with these girls. He's got no sleazy side angles. He just literally wants nothing more than to create a really great women's wrestling show. It's a wrestling <laughs> mark, as they say. Um, and that enthusiasm is what kind of propels him on the show. I think. What's Mark Marin up to in the midst of all this? In in his plot on the show or just Mark in general? I mean, like Mark Marin, the human who's like super skeptical of everything. And is kind of an yes, odd duck. Good, 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 good. I think Mark Marin, the human is still a complete, you know, we, he's sort of like the set grouch, you know <laughs> what I mean? But I really, I mean, he's like this. America's foremost. But, grouch. That's right. That's right. Well, that's he's like, a grouchy character yes, too. Exactly. And he is, he is sort of like America's grouch. Yes. And, America's but the, the thing about Mark though, that is, you know, is so fascinating is I think that he knows that that is sort of his persona. And so oftentimes he'll kind of show up wearing that persona. And the re- the reality is, is that he's got this like really soft underbelly that he, he doesn't even do a good job of hiding, frankly. Um, <laughs> he has kittens and stuff. He loves cats. He loves cats. He reminds me so much. Mark reminds me so much of my father. It like trips me out. My father has like 13 cats and is Whoa. as eccentric and kind of grumpy, but also loving as Mark. Um, but yeah, I think Mark, you know, he he kind of will show up and sort of be kind of you know, grumpy and grouchy. And then yeah. realistically, though, you'll kind of be like, oh, I should give him some space. But then he wants to keep talking because he really <laughs> is engaged and he really does want to be there and he really does love the job. And I think... I think that's why his podcast is so fascinating because I think it's much more, it's so much more for Mark than it is for anyone else. Like I think it's his opportunity to like sit down and actually look someone in the eye and ask them questions and hear what they have to say and have a response. And I think that for him is extremely therapeutic and the closest he gets to be to being just like a normal human. Because yeah. he's a very eccentric person yeah. otherwise. Mark's show is about deconstructing Mark. Yes. At least the first 30 minutes is before the interview. <laughs> then he turns into a really good interviewer, which is interesting. It's fascinating. Because he's so self-aware like aware at all times. Self-aware, but so self-oriented. Like, like yes. He's a, yes. yes. And yes. then he totally flips the script on you 20 minutes into the show and becomes an amazing, astute interviewer who actually listens. It's, it's surprising he has both of those skills with such acuity. Yes. Now, why do you think you, you keep ending up in shows that have very strong female characters? Because, um, of yeah. course, you were on uh, Veronica Mars. You were a key character. You were one of the, the key love triangle with yes. Kristen Bell. And then you were on Private Practice. Like you, and you work with a lot of strong women. Yeah, what you is, know, Bonnie, that? Neil Clark says stop saying that. She's annoyed by it. About Who? what? About what? About the strong women thing. She's like, stop calling Wait. us strong women. Amelia oh, Clark. Amelia Clark. I'm yes. not allowed to say that they're strong women. Because it's like, what is that opposed to? Like weak women? She she feels like it's annoying. What, what? do we say? To that? Oh wow, fascinating question. I mean, you know, I I, I, I guess to me, uh, that that the the idea of working on a show that you hear this question a lot, right? Being on Glow, me being one of the few guys on the show, you're yeah. constantly being asked, like, what's it like to be on a show that's like women driven and 
And and to me, uh, I mean, I love it. I, I to me, and I think this is unusual, and hopefully this will be less unusual. But uh, to your point, I, I I think most of my career I've either worked with or for women, and so for me it's kind of commonplace. I love it. Um, I grew up with women. All my best friends are women, um, and so for me it's a really comfortable atmosphere, um, and I've loved working in it, and I've always felt very safe in that environment. I, I do, I can tell you that in the wake of like this Me Too and Time's Up movement that I've interacted, I've definitely met men who work in the entertainment industry who are like terrified. Um, are they terrified because they're they're worried, what if I say this? Like, are they terrified yeah, yeah. about I what mean, they're going to say? There's plenty, of people, who are ter- there's plenty <laughs> of people who are terrified because they know that they have crossed lines and now there's a reckoning. And I'm glad they're terrified. I hope they're terrified. I hope they're losing sleep. I mean, that sounds like schadenfreude, but I have to believe that in an industry, this industry was for so long you could be a scumbag and that only made you more powerful. And I, I like to believe that if you're a good person, you're rewarded for being a good person. And that if you're an asshole, um, that you're punished for it. And it's nice to see that happening. Um, but I also have met plenty of guys who just, you know, grew up kind of in a more traditional atmosphere being surrounded by the boys. And I think they're just scared that they're going to say something wrong or, and uh, my opinion about that, I, I, that's just not something that is a concern for me. I don't think I just have, and, and, and I just, I think I'm just comfortable around women. I Good. think some older people though, like ha- like Matt Damon tried to speak out and Ben Affleck and then they, they just get slammed down by this whole movement in like the worst way. And they're like, Oh, never mind. I'll just donate some money and be quiet now. So it feels like, Maybe some older actors, you know, the generation before you, are well. In, I, yeah, I don't think right. I, I think it's existing before this movement happened. It's almost like things happened before this sort of awareness crept through the industry, and then so I think a lot. Of, there's a lot of people who are feeling like they don't want to say anything because they're they're scared. They're terrified of what that'll mean. And, and, and listen, I think that uh, one of the best voices to that is the uh, Dave Chappelle Netflix specials where he talks about um, just how, you know, you have to, you're going to have to cross the aisle and get men supporters. And that also you're going to have a lot of, you're going to have a lot of imperfect supporters. That's just sort of the nature of it. Um, And that's a really complicated thing to unpack. And I think that uh, what probably was happening early on in that movement in the, in the movement is that you know it sort of it felt like guys were jumping on board to sort of like be a supporter, but it 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 maybe wasn't time for them to jump on board yet. Like it it almost felt like women needed to have their opportunity and continue to have their opportunity to make them the forefront of the conversation, driving the conversation. And, and, and I think that now or slowly over time, like you can start to find ways to incorporate male voices and support and find a place for that. Um, but I think that at least at the, the outset of this movement that it really needed, it demanded, uh, to be expressed through the voices of women who were experiencing it firsthand. I think Dave's quote was, don't dismiss imperfect allies because you're going to need them. Mm-hmm. But the, he also got a tremendous amount of backlash for that. And he was called transphobic and all kinds of other things. Well, the transphobia thing, I think, is different. a completely different, yeah. you know, that's its own that's its own thing, um, which is which is uh, to each his own. I mean, I think for Chappelle, there, that has a lot to do with 
all sorts of other things than than the Me Too movement. Yeah, that was separate. Well, listen, the benefit of all of this is I do think there's more op- there's growing opportunity for women. And we have a show like Glow, which just showcases uh, wonderful female characters. Just going back to Veronica Mars sure. and uh, the movie and how that all happened, like that it got funded by fans. I mean, that was a pretty groundbreaking thing. You know, it was groundbreaking. And I think it was also uh, similarly controversial. I mean, it was, you know, it came at a time where talk about the like nostalgia factor of like Mm -hmm. fans driving the content that's being created. I think that, you know, Rob Thomas, who was the creator of Veronica Mars had worked so hard to try and get a film made. And frankly, the studios kind of laughed him out the door because they're yeah, like, they, 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 well, I "Cause I think that. they the the show was always on the bubble and never had a huge following, or at least in terms of ratings." And so I think studios, understandably, were like, "There's just not an audience." And so the only thing Rob could think to do was to really prove that there very legitimately was an audience that wanted to see it, and that's what began this cr- insane Kickstarter cam- campaign, which launched our film into existence. Um, and for us, I mean, it was it was the most gluttonous, beautiful thing in the world because all of us who loved working together got to, you know, we got to get the band back together um, and play these ridiculous, hysterical, crazy characters that Rob had created for all of us um, on the silver screen for a change. So do you think uh, that... Uh Piz would stay together with Veronica. Like, what? What was the? Oh, what do you think was going to happen for the future? Of oh, that I mean, if, I'll tell you right now. You know, the the way the reason I knew there was going to be a Veronica Mars film is specifically so that Piz could not end up with Veronica. Oh no! Uh, it's okay. It's okay. No <laughs> one's a bigger fan of Veronica and Logan than I am. So it's it, it's an easy it's an easy one. Oh, to, so she ultimately is going to stay with with the loser guy. I think so. I don't know that he's the loser guy. I think he's the dangerous, the troubled. troubled, you know, like brooding guy, you know. I know, but long term in a marriage, that's not a good thing. You know, you talk to Veronica, you know, or talk to <laughs> talk to Rob Thomas who created I mean, the she's show. She's so together, like uh, Believe me, when it was up to me, it's like, okay, hold on. So this guy has been charged with murder several times. Yeah. He's prone to violence and then you've got Allegedly. this other guy. Oh, sure. <laughs> then you've got another guy who worked for This American Life. He's hanging out with Ira Glass, like criminally handsome. Um, you know, what's wrong with that guy? Why can't you go with that guy? I'm with you. I understand the logic is there, but you know, people are, people are people. They're going to do what they're going to do. So even though they, so if there's another movie farther down the line, she's still going to be with Logan. I would imagine so. I, I feel like if Piz comes and probably back, miserable. That's right. That's right. And she'll just miss the days when she had that blue eyed stud. <laughs> With the really video. good hair. Yeah, please go on. Yeah. Go, go on. Go on what, about what else the hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, I I I uh I wish them the best, Veronica and Logan. I think Piz is 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 gonna happily move on to a hopefully more balanced relationship himself. Could you ever be that big of a are you a fan of anything to that extent where you would actually donate your money to something that you were not involved in? Like not as a producer, like literally just like a fan on the internet. Oh, I'm gonna Kickstarter for Oh, Whatever. hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, big what? Time. What would that what? be? Um, now, are you asking of like, well, like I had this idea last night. Okay. I was hanging out with a couple of my buddies and we were listening to the freaking golden record. Do you know what that is? No. 
Okay, I'm going to tell you. Okay. In 1977, NASA launched two spacecraft unmanned. Oh, Voy- right, right. The Carl Sagan yeah. thing. Yeah. Voyager 1, Voyager 2. And they had this golden phonograph on it, okay, that he had curated oh, with, yeah. like, the best of Ameri- uh, uh, not of global, of human communication. And the beginning of it is a lot of languages. It's greetings in 55 different languages and whatnot. But then... Carl Sagan had this understanding that like uh, language itself is so limiting, but that music is actually so it transcends communication, right? It transcends language. And so he's like, we're just going to send out the best things we got. And it goes from uh, Beethoven to Johnny be good to uh, 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 like a, a wedding song in the rainforest. And so I had this idea. Okay, I, so on both Voyagers, they, it's the they, same record, but okay. they're they're going to two separate sides of the right. of the the galaxy. They have since left our solar system. Yes. We cannot trace these things anymore. Johnny Be Good is out there playing in the <laughs> like just beyond our comprehension. Right. That is the coolest thing in the world. It is there's this one guy named Blind they, Willie Johnson. Did they put a record player with them, do you think? It's literally a golden phonograph that has that that has this design that is math. They have to basically teach you math to then teach you how to build this record player and then here's this record. Oh, okay. And it also has all these visual elements as well. Anyway, my idea, the Kickstarter idea that I would absolutely back is I was like, I want to I want to go to a planetarium and lay there and listen to the Voyager record and just look at I don't know Whatever they play at planetariums, the stars, galaxies, crazy shots, the the the, the images that were that were sent off in the Voyager spacecraft. I would I would back that. Yeah. Did you hear that Radio Lab uh, that went over this? It, it, no. Because Carl Sagan's love down. story with the woman that he fell in <laughs> here, love with. Here, here, thank you. Okay. It was okay. actually There's a woman a who was. Um, Here's a piece of paper. We are writing that down, okay. listeners. Go ahead. It was a woman who was w- working with Carl Sagan who who's. Who's a famous uh, scientist astronomer, but he's no longer alive. Right, right. He died of cancer, but she was uh, like heading up this project and they put some of their, them both talking, I think, sounds of them. So she felt in a way like it was like the, and they had fallen in love on this project. I think he was married to someone else, but then they got together. Another threesome. Mm -hmm. Not a threesome, but, uh, and then so like sort of. Love triangle. The sound, they feel like the sounds of them falling in love are kind of like. Beaming Do they have the dolphins on there as, too as well. I think there are animal sounds. Literally, whales. I'll check this out. They have you have greetings from all the different UN uh, uh, ambassadors, and in the background, it's just crazy whale songs because it it's be. like maybe they maybe they understand that. I mean, it is the broadest swath, and then it's just sounds of Earth, which goes from. Uh, a baby crying to a human heartbeat of a woman in love to the sound. That's what it was. That's, that, what, that's yeah. yeah, it was a her heartbeat. This is going to be the, I have to say when aliens find this, if they ever do, this will be the <laughs> most confusing document ever. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be, be so extremely insane. hard yeah. to parse through. Like maybe we could have sent them some math or something that they could have decoded. This will be so Well, there's, there's probably all that stuff. There's but imagine all that in yeah. there too. Okay, so uh, back to Glow. What's, Sorry, right. What do you, what can we, what like hints can you give us for the season and for Bash? What's what's on Bash's next? When is part that of happening? Journey? Too? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. June so, 29th yeah, so It's going to be downloaded. That's right. right. The show comes out on Netflix June 29th, and then in terms of, I, I think it would. I would say that there were definitely. I guess I don't think this is like a spoiler. I would say that everything that has been happening on a national level with regards to. Um, sexist behavior and and uh, uh, a sort of sense of reckoning 
um, that that happened. Like we were literally shooting these episodes that felt like we were ripping them from the headlines. I think there's a real sense of you feel what the last year has felt like for a lot of women um, personified in these characters on the show. Well, and that's because it was taking place in the 80s when it, I mean, they're, they're, well, like you said, we thought things had changed, but it was a more sexist time period. Just like when we did Mad Men and people were going, oh my God, I can't believe how sexist it was in the 50s. Right. Well, I think, you know, I think a a good example of it is you sort of, in a lot of ways, it answers a lot of questions that I think people today have, which is like, how are we still in this place? And when you see these circumstances 30 years ago, when there aren't the resources and the sense of community and the sense of uh, uh, activism behind it, how, how, um, kind of uh, uh, difficult it would be to speak up for yourself, how much harder it was to speak up then than it is now. Absolutely. And that, I think, is a really a really fascinating thing to explore. Um, as for my character, uh, I think that um, Bash has some sort of rude awakenings about the people in his life and what he thought, uh, who he thought he was and who he, and sort of his sense of himself and what he likes and what matters and what his priorities are, I think get really dramatically shooken up and he's forced to kind of reevaluate who he is and why he's made the decisions he's made and what that could possibly mean. And I, I mean, think he gets deeper. He gets deeper. Yeah, we, we do a deep dive with Bash. Which well, that's is, really which interesting is, in itself because he seemed like such a superficial guy. I was going to say, for the most vapid character yeah. on the show, it's interesting to think that we're going to do a deep dive into his <laughs> psyche, but we do it. Frankly, I think the audience oftentimes is more ahead of it than he is. Um, and I think that's actually a really fun thing to see. You know, it's a really fun way to interact with a character when you know more about them than they know about themselves. I think it's a really fun way in. Do you like that about doing TV series that you can, um, that you can grow with these characters or you can, you can see your characters grow and find yeah, I think more it's out of, about them as, as you play them? Yeah. I think one of the most fun things about, uh, television medium is it's less about plot and more about just the world. It's just about living in this really fascinating world. So the world of 1980s women's wrestling is extraordinarily (laughs) specific and extraordinarily eccentric and strange and unique. And it feels really fun to kind of let, you know, a lot of times with when you're doing a, a film or a play, there's just, you have only so little time to try and explain so much about you and your backstory and and on a show you really get to explore those things which i just think is a fun way to interact with a character and a story yes okay well (laughs) (laughs) okay everybody so we have learned a lot about glow and about bash and how um mr vapid turns out he's not so vapid and certainly somebody who's not vapid is Chris Lowell who plays him who we've just had a fabulous time talking to so everybody get your Netflix on on June 29th and download season 2 of the gorgeous ladies of wrestling glow and thanks so much for coming by and make sure you come by again we yeah oh my talk. god thank you so much for yeah. having me this is awesome we've got to follow up on this Voyager 1 and I Voyager 2 I want to see how 2. you guys work this out <laughs> 